You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P- please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetting boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Monday, December 2nd. It's December folks. You guys likely hearing this on Tuesday, December 3rd, but that means we are headed towards 2020, a new year, and that the winter meetings are just about a week away. So we are really in the depths of the off season now, and most of this episode is going to be consumed by talking about some of the moves that the Cubs made today. The non-tender deadline was on Monday evening, so we will be discussing the contracts the Cubs did tender, and more notably, uh, one of the ones that they did not. So that is uh, what you have to look forward to, at least in part today. But Brendan, we are recording this on Monday, and the occasion was on Sunday, but I would be remiss if we did not take a moment, even belated, to wish uh, one Javier Baez a happy 27th birthday, his birthday on December the 1st this past Sunday. And we would, uh, you know, we it would be a mistake to not use some of our airtime to wish El Mago a happy birthday. Give Javi a gift is to just give him a blank check, let him write his own number, let's get this extension out of the way, lock him up for the next five plus years, and get this going. That sounds like a wonderful present. Uh, but yeah, he and and this is, you know, uh, related to the conversation we're going to segue into in a minute here, but Javi Baez is definitively our shortstop. There is no question our shortstop, about yes. that. And he, we've been talking about wholesome content a lot and just some wonderful stuff uh, from Javi and his family over the weekend celebrating his birthday. His son, AJ, is uh, the prince of Chicago, of course. Javi had a very nice cake. Uh, and it was just great to see him celebrating, enjoying the off season, and having a nice time. So happy birthday to Javi. I, I don't think I need to explain what he means to the Cubs and his electricity and whatnot. I think we've made that clear over the years now. But again, just wanted to start the show by wishing him a happy birthday. I, I debated as to whether I should start the show by pointing out that we have still yet to receive any further photos or really proof of existence of Kevin Rizzo. Uh, it's been over two weeks now. So Anthony 
Yeah, something's up there. You know, what are you doing to us, man? I I mean, you just can't do that. You can't bring a puppy into all of our lives and just take him away like that. We just want to see him, Anthony. Just, just, we just want to see him. But I, I wanted to start with Javi. I figured I'd, you know, save the Kevin Rizzo thing, but there it is. So anyway, wholesome intro content aside, it is time to get down to business. And the Cubs, you know, we, we've seen them do a few things here and there to sort of start this off season. But I, I would say that Monday was perhaps the, the, the start of real significant stuff towards the future and, and roster building. And again, like I said in the intro, that comes with the non-tender deadline. So obviously that means that uh, I believe it was seven o'clock central on Monday evening. Teams needed to tender contracts or decide to non-tender folks and let them go. And the Cubs made a few decisions in that regard. We talked about their acquisition of relief pitcher Jarrell Cotton, I believe on the last episode. And prior to the deadline, they did agree to a contract with him so he will avoid salary arbitration. And they tendered contracts to six arbitration-eligible players. Uh, I I would say none of them really a surprise. I I suppose you could say Almora was a surprise, but not not really. Uh, Those six players are the aforementioned Javier Baez, one Christopher Bryant, Good, to, you know, I'm at a hot take here, Brendan, but good decision for the Cubs to tender Chris Bryan a contract. Yeah, a little controversial, you know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that they did that one uh, personally. Uh, like I said, Albert Almora, Kyle Schwarber, Wilson Contreras, and Kyle Ryan. So those players are tendered a contract, uh, and you know, like we said, some of them may be looking at contract extensions. Some will head to arbitration, but they are members of the Chicago Cubs nonetheless for 2020. They non-tender two players, uh, one left-handed pitcher, Danny Holson, who we saw make his way to the major leagues in 2019, and the other is where we will transition because this is a, a pretty significant story and, and ultimately an end to a very long story. The Cubs on Monday non-tender Addison Russell. The statements coming out uh, pretty clear that they will be moving on. Obviously, just because they non-tender him doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship is over. They could have negotiated a lesser contract or something like that uh, to just work around the current situation. Uh, but the language coming from Theo, and and I'll read his statement uh, in full just for the benefit of everybody. He he's not going to be back. They they have cut ties, uh, and and this is the end of this situation. Uh, mm-hmm. So I do want to read Theo's words because I think that they in, inform the conversation, and at least we should present them as he stated them. Uh, so he says, "quote." We decided to non-tender Addison Russell today simply because the role we expected him to play for the 2020 Cubs was inconsistent with how he would have been treated in the salary arbitration process. In the years since we decided to tender Addison a contract last November, he has lived up to his promise to put in the important self-improvement work necessary off the field and has shown growth as a person, as a partner, as a parent, and as a citizen. We hope and believe that Addison's work and growth will continue, and we have offered our continued support of him and his family, including Melissa. In the last year, the organization has also put in the important work necessary to bolster our domestic violence prevention training for all employees, all MLB players, all minor league players, and all staff. We also offered healthy relationship workshops for the players' partners and provided intensive expert domestic violence prevention training for player-facing staff. This heightened training and our increased community involvement on the urgent issue of domestic violence prevention will continue indefinitely. We wish Addison and his family well. So there are President of Baseball Operations Theo Epstein's words on this situation. And this has been a a long unfolding story since the domestic violence allegations came out against Russell a few years ago, ultimately to be investigated and corroborated by Major League Baseball, leading to Addison's suspension. And it it ends here, at least as it relates to the Cubs. And I I think that anytime we've talked about Addison in the past, we kind of always start by saying that when the allegations came out in the first place, Brendan and I made our stance on it pretty clear that we did not want him to remain a member of the organization. Uh, and that continued throughout the process, even with the Cubs tendering him the contract. But obviously that decision has long since been 
out of Brendan, I, or any of you guys listening. It's it's out of our control. So um, it is good to hear that the Cubs have taken steps to improve their internal processes uh, for these types of issues, and, and hopefully that does prevent further issues down the road and, and make them stronger in that regard. Obviously, it's not really something that we can know whether whether that's happening or not, but I, I at least like to hope that that's the case. Uh, and like Theo said, I, I hope that after all of this, Addison is in a better place and can be a better person and a better uh, father and, and, and family member going forward. Uh, but I, I have long since believed that that would be best explored somewhere else and, and not in the uniform of the Chicago Cubs. So I, I think with that, you, you look to the baseball side of this, Brendan, uh, and it's quite a fall for Addison Russell, and, and a very yeah. important one for the, the Cubs organization. Um, you know, again, on the field and off the field, this is someone who I think when the rebuild was going on and, and when he was acquired from the Oakland Athletics for Jeff Samarja, this is a player who was a top, what was he, a top three prospect when they acquired yeah. him? I, I think mean, he some, was, some folks thought he was the best right. prospect. Yeah, yeah, so this was a... a no question top prospect, someone who uh, moved through the system very quickly, was playing at the major league level at a young age, and I think a lot of folks thought would be a key member of this core for years and years and years, and obviously the intent was that not only would he be doing that on the field, but like we see with some of these other guys, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, etc., doing really good things off the field. And it was, uh, unfortunately, a a swing and a miss in every aspect, on the field and off. So it, it's it's very significant because when you look at this offseason and, and you're, you're reading things about, are the Cubs going to cut payroll? What are they going to do with guys like Wilson Contreras, Chris Bryant, etc.? The fall of Addison Russell really informs all of that, and, and I think it's perhaps easy, uh, maybe, to forget how how important that factor is when, you know, you see he's not performing again at the plate, he's making mistakes in the field, he's not learning the signs. It sometimes is maybe easy to forget how important he was supposed to be to this group. And when you go from where he was when he first came up, when the Cubs acquired him, and and just the potential that he had to someone who has been suspended for domestic violence, who is— making really easy routine mistakes, routinely not taking uh, culpability for things both on and off the field, and performing at a a sub-league average level year in and year out at the plate, that's a a significant change for where you would have envisioned him to be four years ago or something like that. I I think when this whole process started— Certainly you and I, Brendan, and and I think everybody would have envisioned Addison Russell is going to be a potential MVP candidate, the shortstop of the Chicago Cubs for the next decade, right? And yeah. here we are uh, in the offseason heading into the 2020 season. He's no longer a Chicago Cub. He will not be tendered a contract. And the Cubs didn't trade him. They didn't get anything for him. They're just getting rid of him. So it, it's, it's quite a fall and, and, a, and a very significant one. It sucks, man. I mean, Russell in 2016, as a 21-year-old, was already worth over three wins above replacement. And the fall from then to now has been extraordinary. We're talking about not even an ounce of improvement. And it's shocking. It really is shocking. This is a guy who has been described and compared to Uh, Barry Larkin. This is a guy who was the number one prospect by so many people across their boards. A guy that the Cubs traded Jeff Samarja, one of the the most sought-after pitching candidates in that trade market. It sucks, Corey. He was supposed to be every bit of this core. And last year, 
6.5 war in 241 plate appearances. The year before, 1.4 war in 130 games, 465 plate appearances. In the last three years combined, his weighted on base average below 300. His WRC plus on average 82. He's been one of the worst hitting infielders in the league. It makes no sense. And again, compare that to 2016. He got 48 games batting fifth for the World Series championship Chicago Cubs. That's 30% of the season. He had a game six grand slam in the World Series. His his drop off it's it's dramatic. It's absolutely dramatic, and it does kind of highlight some of the shortcomings of this front office. This is two years overdue, man. It, it really is giving him these many opportunities in place of other candidates, other substitutes, other free agents whom they passed, other trade candidates who they may have glossed over to give Russell more chances than what he really deserved. And last year was a humongous mistake. He should have never been brought back. A terrible mistake. So much so that they had to rush Nico Horner up in September because they didn't trust Russell with some of his injuries and even on the field issues with his signs. They didn't trust him. It was an incredible mistake. And it it sucks, Corey. That's the best way I can put it. The off the field issues are incredibly disappointing. I wish the Cubs cut bay with him, as you said, years ago. But here we are from a baseball point of view. It, it it sucks. He was supposed to be part of this core. It never translated. I'm shocked it trans it never translated. I was so optimistic about Russell in 2014, 2015, 2016. I believed in the bat, believed in the athleticism, and for it to come down to a screeching halt, it's shocking, Corey. Yeah, and it's it, it's such a a tumultuous journey because, like you said, they they should have cut bait in the first place. The the Cubs organization should just have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to one of their members uh, committing domestic violence. That that should be enough, but. To give him repeated chance after repeated chance and to, you know, put a, a lot of this blame also on Russell, right? Not just the front office for giving him those chances, but also Russell. They, they give you these chances under the dialect that they want to be a part of the solution. They want to help him become a better person. And he returns that by not bothering to learn the signs, not listening when they're having meetings. We all remember that game in Pittsburgh where he threw home, even though they just had a mound visit about how he wasn't supposed to do that. And then it was a learning experience at second base. Can never take any culpability for anything. That, that even, was his words too. Even he just, said, oh, this is a learning experience. Yeah. He, instead of just saying, I made a mistake. It's like, oh no, well, I'm, I don't play second base all the time. This is a learning experience for me. Just, just bad all around. And so it's just bad all around. And then when you looked at this decision, right, and I think why so many people were nervous uh, on Monday about the deadline and what the Cubs were going to do is because we're reading all this about how they're, you know, what's their payroll going to be? Are they going to even have the chance to make an offer to some of these bigger free agents and bigger players that are available? And you could not possibly justify giving another chance, not a second chance, not a third chance, like a a sixth chance to this guy for four to five-ish million dollars after the arbitration price. It it would have been nuts. It it would have been absolutely insane. So um, I wish that they had done this years ago, that they should have done it years ago, but I'm glad that they did it today. I'm not going to pat the the front office or the organization on the bat because they they stuck their neck out for this guy multiple times so but at the same time I'm I'm glad that they made this move it was the right move for a long time from a off the field perspective and it's also been the right move from an on the field perspective also for a long time so they they got there eventually and I'm just glad that this is over is is really my stance on the whole issue. Again, I, I hope sincerely that that whatever process the Cubs put in place has helped him to become a better person. Uh, but I, I I never saw the need for that to happen while he was also 
being paid and playing for the Chicago Cubs. So I, I think that's, you know, kind of where we land on it. But again, like just to, to bring it back, it's, it's a very significant fall for someone that, you, you know, you kind of build around. Like when, when you're building a, a rebuild and you're looking toward the future and, and you're, you know, Theo talked in his press conference at the end of the 2019 season that they had committed to some of this young core for too long. And is one of them. No he's doubt. one of them. And, and this is kind of the problem in doing that and why Theo ultimately had to admit that when, when you're, when everybody's coming up and you're making the NLCS in 2015, you're winning the World Series, in 2016, you're kind of just slotting these guys in for years and years and thinking, okay, we'll deal with extensions, we'll deal with when these guys become free agents, but a lot of that, you know, was 2021, 2022, so you're thinking, this is the group, we've already won a championship, we're just going to keep trotting these guys out there <laughs> and see how many yeah. championships they can all rack up before they're 28 years old. And when and it's... Well, and, and just to, to finish, like when one of them has just such a complete and absolute fall in every single respect it, it's a blow to uh what the cubs were were planning to do and again that that falls on the front office for giving Russell repeated chances and it definitely falls on Russell for just failing in in so many aspects yeah. of this uh that it's 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 a real shame all around uh but it's it's over now they they've decided to cut ties and that's uh that's where it all ends and it's a reminder to the importance of makeup or character something that the cubs they really wanted to promote over their years of development. And there's been instances where it never or it hasn't translated. But look at someone like Russell, had an insane amount of talent, but the character, the attitude, the focus was never there. Even going into 2016, Evan Allman of Cubs Insider wrote that the Cubs wanted to have Russell calm down his nightlife. Remember that, Corey? This is this is before our time over here yep. with this podcast. But it's not even a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. It's so many instances when the Cubs have extended their hand and Russell never translated any of his potential that's such a waste dude such a waste you because you imagine what someone like albert almora could do if he had at the time russell's talent you look at someone like almora he has the character he has the makeup and that's probably why he was a little bit overdrafted in that 2012 draft but if he had 25 plus home run potential, if he had, you know, gold glove caliber defensive potential, he doesn't have that, you know. But if he did, you see someone who could turn into that MVP candidate. It's also to a reminder why guys like like uh, KB and Rizzo and Javi, it's why those three in particular have been able to actually translate their talent. KB, we know the character. Rizzo, of course we know the character. Javi, no doubt about it, right? And all three of those guys have gone through several successful adjustments, and that, I think, is a byproduct of that attitude, of that mental makeup. Russell never had it. The Cubs tried desperately to change that. They failed. Russell failed. That That's it. It sucks. And I hope that the Cubs learn from this experience. I hope they never go through another Addison Russell experience again. It was a complete waste of time. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. Little did I know that when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Yeah, 
so uh that's pretty much that and uh again i I, I i yeah good good riddance uh i i am glad that they ultimately made this move whether they relate or not uh, they very easily could have just kept this going uh and come up with any sort of justification for it so i'm just glad that that's not what they did and he doesn't play for our favorite team anymore so that's where this ends again like it's it's pretty wild that this is where this just his whole I I mean I remember being in New York when they uh, acquired him uh for Jeff Samarja and and you know to to see how it has all played out is is very sad and disappointing and and like I said I I I I will leave it with with the final thought that again I, I hope that everyone who has been involved in in his situation uh his his family his current girlfriend Melissa I, I hope that they have all found themselves in a better place from this process. And, and the work that the Cubs have said they are doing is actually bearing out with something positive uh, because most of this process has yielded nothing positive. So I hope that at least something has has come from the Cubs insisting on being a part of this process uh, and that that's better for the human beings involved. So that's probably the last time we will discuss him uh, on this podcast. Uh, see ya. Good riddance. Uh, this is over. So getting to some of the other decisions, uh, a, a flurry of activity across Major League Baseball. And Brendan, I know you've been combing through some of these other uh, non-tendered players, and, and we'll get to some of the names that maybe you have your eye on, because if the Cubs are going to be bargain hunting, there, there are some intriguing names that are out there and uh, can perhaps be discussed. Uh, but I, I did just want to touch on the Almora tender, because I, I know I said when I was reading the names that it wasn't really surprising, but I guess you could have considered it surprising. Uh, really, in a group of Kyle Ryan, Wilson Contreras, Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant, and Javier Baez, obviously Almora is the one that stands out, kind of like a sore thumb. Uh, so, as I said on on the one episode, and and this is kind of obviously only comparing on the field. Let me make that very clear. But similar to the Russell decision in a sense that, again, this is a, a third-place team, and I, I don't want to see them bringing back guys who have performed at subpar levels for them and just continuing to hope that things are going to change. But Almora in arbitration will make significantly less money than Russell would have stood to make. Uh, he has an option, so he can start the year or be sent down to the minor leagues. He doesn't have to be on the big league team. Uh, but but considering none of the other tenders were particularly surprising or noteworthy, did you have any thought on Almora at all, uh, the, the decision to tender him and, and, and move forward with him? Al has been one of the worst players in Major League Baseball on a defensive side and an offensive side. I know there's different defensive metrics, but they are somewhat consistent rating Elmora as below league average. One, in particular, the Sabre Defensive Index rates Elmora as the second worst defensive outfielder in Major League Baseball. And there is another side to me, though, where numbers aside, he looks like he can do better. I don't know what it is. I always go to spring training. You talk to different people there, talk to scouts, whatever, and it seems as if Al does have more power potential in him. I just don't want to run that risk of giving him a fourth outfielder spot or a fifth outfielder spot in place of this free Asian market that actually looks to be a little bit deeper now that we got these non-tenders. Like you look at someone like Kevin Pillar, for example, who is not tendered a contract by San Fran. Pillar consistently, every single defensive metric, one of the best. And he performs offensively like Almora. Does it make sense to pay Almora $1.8 million and bottom out like you did in 2019 and 2018? Or does it make more sense to pay, you know, four or five million, six million, whatever it ends up being for Pilar, and you're going to get that gold glove caliber defense as your fourth outfielder or as your fifth outfielder? Or you look at other guys across the league and 
trade candidates or even infield free agents, giving those guys spots in favor of Almora maybe might make more sense. But if Almora is indeed going to be tendered or rather accepting this $1.8 million contract offer, it's not a guarantee. The Cubs could have Al go into spring training. There are different deadlines spread throughout spring training where you can cut bait with Al and not have to pay the full $1.8 million in what could be his arbitration salary in full. For example, like they did the same thing with Justin Grimm two years ago. Grimm was given $2.2 million. The Cubs cut bait with him mid-March. They only paid around $500,000 of that $2.2 million. Cut bait with them. Cubs could do the same thing. They could do the same exact thing. Cut bait with Al midway through March. You only pay him around $300,000. Basically nothing. So I think that's the logic with this is, okay, let's get Al with these new coaches. Let's see what else we can do to unearth some of that potential in him. We know, we like the character. We have some faith in the defense, even though it's inconsistent, like I said, but we believe in the bat that it could translate to more power. Let's get Justin Stone in there. Let's get these new coaches. Let's see what we can do in a month and a half and then make a decision. You're paying $300,000 to try to bet that this new coaching staff can unearth something else out of out. But again, I don't really like it if we're going to go into 2020 with expecting severely below league average offense and maybe a league average defensive late inning replacement guy. I'm not into it. I'm just not. Like you said, this is a third place team. There's other guys out there in the free agent market that make more sense, in my opinion. And we'll see what happens. But I need more depth, Corey. I need the depth. We've talked about it for 18 months now. 18 months. I want to see the depth. And I think bringing back Al is maybe not the right way to go about doing this. Yeah, I, look, I think if you're a listener of the Cubs-related podcast, you might know my feelings on this, uh, if you've been paying attention. Uh, I, I, I went on a rant the last time we did the explicit podcast, so I'm not, I'm not going to do the exact same thing. But again, it, it, it's, it's, what I, it's what I was saying about Russell. It, it's like the Cubs are not in a position— to be hoping that certain guys turn things around and dedicating too much uh, payroll capital to them or roster capital to them. So if if they're flexible to have Elmora be in the minors and, and try to turn things around, that's that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm amenable to that. But you just can't be penny-pinching with the payroll and trying to come out of a third-place season and doing all of this simultaneously while bringing back guys that have performed at the level that Almora has. You just can't do it. You kind of have to pick a lane, right? Like, so if they're open to sending him down and seeing if there's something there, and like you said, Brendan, cutting bait if that's not working— then fine. If they have larger plans for him than that, then I'm going to be pissed off. Uh, They wasted a ton of plate appearances on Albert Almora in the 2019 season, especially at the leadoff spot. And I'm I'm just not here for it. Like I, I mean, he is he is costing the Cubs a 40 man roster spot, which there are 36 right. out of 40 potential spots. Right. Obviously. But but you but I mean that is that that is costing the Cubs. They are already investing look, in Al for twenty twenty. Yeah, look, if it were up to me I would have done tendered it. He he's been one of the worst again, I, I said this in in the explicit rant no hyperbole, one of the like two worst hitters in the league for a year and a half. It 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 just is not uh, like the Marlins aren't, you know what I mean? Like you shouldn't be te- uh, rostering guys like this. You're, you're, you're trying to compete. You're trying to come back from finishing in, th- in third place. You're trying to continue being an organization that strives to win the World Series every year. And it's just a waste of a roster spot. But I, I understand the front office's you know, kind of stubbornness, I guess, probably has something to do with it in in not wanting to let him go, wanting to maybe get him in there with some of the new infrastructure that you have and and seeing what they're able to do. Uh, But yeah, again, like, look, like you you better be careful with that because you just don't have time to keep doing this. You you don't have... Maybe it's not part of their like immediate 2020 plans though he does have two minor league options left so like you're saying they could just keep him down in triple a but we don't know but if they are going into 2020 and they're even investing 
200 plate appearances on the major league roster to Albert Almora as a guarantee, then I have a problem with that. That's that's what it comes down to. If they want to spend $2 million, keep Allen AAA for the entire year, bring him up when necessary, then then yeah, like we're already pinching pennies over here. We already are at, what, 215 and projected million uh, for your 2020 payroll. Like these things matter, Corey. So I, I, I don't like the move. And even if it is to keep him out in the AAA, like you have to ask yourself the question, is that worth it? Is it worth rostering him on the 40 man to do this? Yeah. I I don't think it, I don't think it's a slam dunk. I think actually it's more in favor of letting him go, which is again ultimately maybe that's what they do. Yeah, because I, I mean, look, like this is a different conversation if the Cubs are are looking at expanding the payroll or they're you know being connected to some of these top guys and we're not hearing about them needing to cut payroll. We're not talking about trading Chris Bryant because his extension might be too expensive. All this other <laughs> right. stuff that we're hearing, right? You can give Almora a 40-man spot all you want. You've got the time then to say, we are not going to give up on this, right? But when you're talking about needing to really hit on those margins and and improve at the slightest bit because you're just not going to be spending crazy money— you're giving a roster spot to, again, one of the worst hitters in the league and someone whose defense, which he was rostered for in the first place, was rated negatively uh, by a ton of metrics in the 2019 season. So it's all to say, like, they better have a pretty clear and careful plan with what they're doing here. Otherwise, it's just a waste and it's just not really uh, something they can really afford to be doing. But let's talk about some of these interesting names that are out there. Uh, And it, it really ranges from guys who have shown a lot in the past, have been injured, their performance fell off. Uh, You know, you look at guys like Kevin Gossman, Blake Trinan from The Athletics, who was one of the top relievers in the league not too long ago, but took a a very drastic fall in the second half, I think especially of the 2019 season. Someone like Kevin Pillar, non-tendered. So there's a lot of names. And and again, for the position that the Cubs stand to be in, where they're going to be trying to pick some of those guys up and and not necessarily delve into the seven-year, $300 million contracts with people who, and I already know the answer to this, and I I think if you've been paying attention to Brendan, either via this podcast or on Twitter, you also know this answer. Uh, but anybody really catch your eye right out of the gate here, Brendan? I like Kevin Gossman getting non-tendered. I don't know if you're alluding to that guy. There's, there's, several, players, there's several players on this list that are interesting, but Gossman, for me, has been on my radar. I I think now for six years, honestly, I may have been even talking about Gossman when we first started this podcast. He, he's got filthy stuff, man. That's all I can say about it. The, the numbers last year weren't the best. He had an ERA of 5.72. His FIP, on the other hand, was 3.98. He had 17 starts. He had 14 relief appearances. In addition to those 17 starts, the Reds moved him to the bullpen. So I... You know, I I see the issue with maybe bringing Gossman over. He was making $9.4 million in 2019, but given that he's not tendered a contract, you have to assume he'll be making much less as a free agent. So if he's going to cost five, six million, oh man, I, I, I hate saying this after we were just complaining about these same exact deals for the past year. He's one of those guys that like I, I would probably try to sign. He's 28 years old. He still has those disgusting pitches. I've been obsessed with that splitter for years, and the velocity has remained intact. He's, had, he's was hitting 94 last year, same as 2018, within the same range going back all the way to 2014. So he's a guy that's on my radar. I'm not going to shell out you know, nine million dollars for him, but if it's gonna cost four or five, six million, you know, try try to make it work. I think he has the potential to be a starter as well, Corey. Yeah, that that is I, I, I knew some of the names that you were going to be uh particularly interested in. And I think, you know, and it's a little easy to get carried away, I suppose. I don't want to talk about the pitch lab and, and the Cubs infrastructure and stuff like that as though it's like 
a guarantee to get results or anything like that? Because, you know, we really don't know that we have seen some good results, someone like Rowan Wick, obviously, uh, kind of the immediate example that jumps to mind. So, but I, I don't want to talk about it like, oh, let's just get this guy, put him in the pitch lab, and boom, Cy Young, <laughs> I right? mean, it's the same thing we said about uh, Basio in like 2013-2014. Oh, let's get him in front of the wizard. Like, right. That was his nickname, right? right? So it's, and, and by the way, the Cubs pitch lab, it's like, you know, half the league has the same thing. Uh, right. Yeah. So it's not so as... <laughs> I, I, I yeah, just want to make sure that, like, it's not coming across that way. We believe in it. We're glad the Cubs are doing it. It's a, it's a good place for them to be heading as an organization. But, like, I don't want it to be framed necessarily that way. Yeah. That it's just like, oh, yeah, grab Blake, try him, throw him in the pitch lab, boom. Top-tier reliever, there you go, right? (laughs) Uh, But with that said, like, this is where the Cubs kind of are, and this is the type of stuff that they're going to be doing. Jarrell Cotton, already an example of that. We talked about that when the Cubs signed him, and you're just going to see more of these. So I think there's some interesting names. And like I said, like, Blake Trinan is one of those names where you do have to figure out, was it health-related? Was it mechanics-related? A lot of times that answer is both. Uh, but he fell off pretty significantly uh, this past season. Yeah. But in years prior, he was – we talk about the pitching ninja, the Twitter account, Rob Friedman, who posts all those wonderful gifts and comparisons and things like that. Uh, and uh, it goes without saying, if you don't follow the pitching ninja, you are doing Twitter wrong. Uh, it's some of the best content out there, so you should be doing that. Um, but he was like – no, you know, person number one for the pitching ninja for a really long time, uh, Blake Trinan. The, the, the tunneling that he was able to do at the time between a couple of his pitches was insane. Just totally insane, <laughs> yeah. the movement that he was, was able to get on a, a couple of those pitches. I think his two-seam, maybe, was just, like, absurd, mm-hmm. the level the of The two-seam in the slider was just wild. Yeah. It would, like, go the completely opposite direction. Just insane movement. Like, uh, they, yeah. definitely one of those guys where you're like, I don't I, I don't know how anybody hits this guy, right? They <laughs> Eventually, they figured it out, though. So, but he's one of those guys where it's like, if you, and, and there's going to be interest for someone like him by a lot of teams, right? Because just like, Brendan just said, a lot of teams have pitch labs like this and think that they can rediscover guys or or get guys back to a different place. But those are the types of names that you're going to want to see the Cubs take an interest in. And and again, there's no guarantee that the pitch lab is is going to, you know, hit with 100% success or work for all or any of these guys, right? But those are the really interesting things because if you can find these guys who you can get on you know cheaper deals, work with them and try to harness either what they were doing in the past or figure out ways for them to take a new path forward with their their spin and their pitches and and what they're capable of doing. You can end up with some really talented guys, and you can fill out a bullpen that way without going to the lengths of bringing in some of the bigger names. You know, you look at someone like like Drew Pomeranz who signed uh, I think this past week for a lot of money. Four years, a lot of money, and and that's the type of stuff where you know we're all looking at this Kimbrel contract. We, I trust me, I was one of the leaders of the charge when they did it. It you know it still has time to work, but didn't work out in the first place. But you know how many of those contracts do you want the Cubs to be getting themselves involved with? Right, like they just got out of the Moro one because it didn't work. So at some point, you kind of have to look at some of these other cheaper names and say, okay, well we don't want to get too much money tied up into the bullpen. Uh, the, like the Atlanta Braves are a good example. Like I think their bullpen is going to be good. And they made sure to address that early on in the offseason. But they have a lot of money tied I mean, up in the in Rockies did arms. the same thing when they shelled out right. money for Wade, for Wade Davis, Davis and then yeah. some. And look what happened to that bullpen. Right. It, it's, it, it's, it's something that can work. You can build a very good bullpen. The Yankees are, are someone that did that with a lot of big names, right? But at the end of the day, especially if you're penny pinching a little bit to the degree that you're a top tier payroll team, but not trying to go crazy, right? Uh, you you got to be careful. How much money and years and, and, and everything do you want tied up in bullpen arms? So I, I don't really think that I want the Cubs doing that necessarily. Uh, so this is the route that they're likely and, and probably should be going. And, and you got to identify these guys that have that potential that uh, you can work with with your, with your new infrastructure and hope that you can kind of turn some of these guys into a strong bullpen. Again, we've seen some of these examples. We were just talking about, uh, I mentioned 
Rowan Wick as being someone like that. Brad Week came up and looked very good in the time that he was with the Cubs. Someone Kyle like Kyle Ryan, Ryan yeah, who, who yeah. we talked about as the Cubs tendering him a contract on Monday. He's another one where I, I don't think any of us ever went into the 2019 season that thinking that Rowan Wick and Kyle Ryan would be two of the Cubs' most reliable relievers and two of the guys that we trusted the most, right, coming out of that bullpen. And they're, they're products of getting guys, working with them, and giving them a chance to see if they can turn into something. So I think that's where the Cubs are, and I think that's where most of my interest lies in, in terms of some of these guys that are available now via free agency or recently non-tendered. And the the other thing, and it kind of goes back to the conversation that we started with, uh, the Cubs need to add middle infield depth, right? And that was right true. Away. That was true before that was true last year when they still had Addison Russell and it's obviously true now that you've gotten rid of one of your other middle infielders uh so uh, you know Jose Peraza is a name of someone who was non-tender today not a you know not a good hitter uh but a good defender and we saw the peril of not building that depth last year when Javi was hurt when Russell couldn't be bothered to figure out how to play second base, which is the position he started his major league career playing, but I, I, I couldn't help myself. So anyway, the Cubs saw the peril of this when we were wondering, like, is Ben Zobris going to have to play shortstop? Is Ian Happ going to play shortstop? And like you said, they, they end up needing to kind of rush Nico a little bit just to get him in the fold because they needed middle infield help. And and so that is something that they have, we, we asked them to do it in the offseason last year because it was pretty obvious that that was going to be a, a tricky situation for them, relying on Javi to play 162 games. He'll do it. And we saw that he'll do it. He'll do it on a broken leg, a broken heel, whatever it is, right? He will do it. But you don't want to have to rely on that. You don't want to ask him to do that. And you need to strengthen that depth. So whether it is someone like Jose Peraza or whether they're looking at some of these other names, you got to improve that middle infield depth so that it is not Javi or bust at shortstop. Yeah, and there's other names too that have been just recently made available or have been at least talked about in, in you know the Cubs Twitter sphere. And we have a, a big name if they can move around money, like Didi Gregorius, for example. He would be a shortstop on any other team, but if the Cubs can move pieces around, maybe Didi would play second base, maybe Didi would play third base, and you move KB to the outfield. Those are the types of names that, while you give them a starting role, you have that depth just in case. Other names, Jose Iglesias, he was a minor league signing by the Reds last year, did exactly what he was expected to do. He was a below league average offensive bat, but his defense was among the best in the league. Not surprisingly, he did that every single year previous to last year as well. Other names, Jordy Mercer, the Pirates guy, boo Pirates, but he he is an okay defensive shortstop, might be a decent depth uh, piece. We can go down the list, but there are guys on the market that makes sense, that would be cheaper than $5 million, which is what Addison Russell probably would have made. And I would be interested in looking into that. And again, other names just throwing it out there. Eric Sogard, second base, not a shortstop, but second base depth. We also have uh, Brock Holt, who can play second base, not a shortstop, was primarily used in the outfield by Boston over the last few years, but he has the potential, if needed, to play shortstop as like your third piece. So my main target for this offseason has always been depth, 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 depth. And if someone like Didi Gregorius can take on a contract, play elsewhere, that for me is one of the highest priorities on this team. But at the end of spring training, I swear to God, Corey, if we're going into spring or into the season with Nico Horner as your backup shortstop or as your depth piece, your only logical depth piece, I'm going to lose my mind. Of course, you want Nico in that deck, but you need more than Nico to ensure that what happened last year in September never, ever happens again because that was that was brutal. Absolutely right. brutal. Our home 
homes today are like little cities full of different internetic boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, look, we love Nico, right? Like, I, I that goes without saying, but that's a that's a big burden to put on him, right? That it and that's what happened. That it was like either Javi's ready to go and be the shortstop, or here you go, kid, you're the starting shortstop for the Chicago Cubs now in the middle of a pennant race. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot to ask of someone that's that's that young. So. Uh, yes, I would like to see them improve that depth. Uh, and, you know, it, it, this offseason ha- has already been an interesting one. And I, I don't love the move, but I at least just wanted to bring it up. Uh, the, the Reds seem intent on participating in the division. And it's, look, Again, I don't. I don't. It's too much money. It's too long. I don't love it, uh, and I wouldn't want to be involved in it. But they signed Mike Bustakis to add to their offense. They've got a good rotation, and you know, I think if you're the Reds, you probably have to overpay a little bit to get free agents to come there. It's not exactly a premier destination, uh, so perhaps that informs that a little bit. And they've got money to burn. The the point I'm making and the reason I'm bringing it up is the, the Cubs need, and, and this is kind of why we harp on the Almora thing so much and some of these other moves, and also for, a, you know, multiple reasons also, but why we were ready to throw a fit if they had tendered Addison Russell a contract. But this division is good. There, there's some good teams in here. The Brewers have lost a ton of talent, so it'll be interesting to see how they yeah. try to, yeah, to fill that. It. They've lost a lot of talent. Well, uh, that's a shame, isn't it? You hate to see it. Hate to see it. But it's one of those things where the, the Cubs are going to have to be smart about what they're doing. Again, the, the, I, I'm going to keep saying this because we all need to remember this. They're coming off a third-place season, uh, and the teams around them are not content to just wait for them to get themselves back up, dust themselves off, right, and assume the spot atop the division. Uh, there, there was, I, I can't remember if it was John Heyman or one of the Nationals reporters, uh, national reporters, not Nationals reporters. One of them described it as like the Reds see the NL Central as ripe for the taking. And that really pissed me off, Brendan. And it pissed me off because I believe it. That's what pisses me off. Why are we in a position with the Chicago Cubs where the Reds think that they can win this division? They're looking at the Cubs going, they're not doing enough to make it completely irrelevant for us to maybe spend a little money and see what we can do. We could actually win this division. That really pisses me off, Brendan. That should never be the case in this era of Cubs baseball. The Cubs should be doing everything possible to make it unquestioned that this is their division, let alone their league, right? And and they're not doing it. And again, this isn't to say like, oh my God, the Reds signed Mike Moustakis. They're going to win 110 games. I, I don't think that. I'm not worried about the Reds. But the point is, I, I, I just wish that we were not in this spot where it actually feels realistic that a team like the Reds would look at the division and say, you know what? Like, I think we can mess around here. Like this is the this is the Cubs doing is is what I'm getting to. I said this when the Cubs allowed the Cardinals and the Brewers to make the playoffs, uh, getting over on them in 2019, and I'm going to keep saying it. But like they 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 need they have not done enough to assure themselves that they're better and that they're going to make the playoffs, and they need to do that. There there's a whole off season left, so I'm not writing it off just yet. But the, the, that Reds tweet and, and them thinking that they can participate here pisses me off, Brendan. Well, and they've hit on all of their pitchers that they've signed or acquired last year, too. You look at someone like Sonny Gray, 
who transformed himself into one of the league's best pitchers last year. Those are the types of guys the Cubs need to acquire as well. So looking at a Kevin Gossman, for an example, that that's a candidate, someone who's had success recently, for whatever reason, has not translated that in the immediate recency, but someone who could nonetheless turn into something. And again, there's so many guys I feel like on this marker right now that is giving me some excitement. There's always been some mid-tier starters on there, but again, even like Blake Trennan, for example, could be someone who could make an immediate impact on day one with a slight tweak but this this offseason is not over yet and if if the Cubs go into 2020 like this I'm going to be shocked I'll be upset I'll be shocked but I fully expect that come spring training there will be a clear path we will know the options for the depth we will know the options for the bullpen and by the way I feel pretty good about the bullpen I need more depth in the infield I need more depth in the outfield I need some more depth as some starters that could swing back from triple and I'm confident the Cubs will be doing that. We're seeing sweeping changes across the front office, sweeping changes across the scouting infrastructure, player development infrastructure. So they are intent on changing a lot about this team. Non-tendering Addison Russell, as obvious as that seemed, that's a big step, Corey, because again, in a year ago, they didn't do it. They should have done it. They did not do it. This is a sign that they are changing things. So come spring training, come the winter meetings in a few weeks here, I fully expect the Cubs will be doing different things. And I I would be blown away if we stand here on February 1st or whatever with some of these guys report and we're talking about the same issues as we are right now. Yeah, again, the the off season is is you know really kind in a way just beginning, right? You know now the Cubs have made these decisions on some of the players they needed to, and they kind of now can take a look at the landscape and and see what's out there. Other teams have made their decisions. You kind you know who's available. You know what the the lay of the land is. I just meant that I, I really hope that. And again, this isn't to say like that. Oh, Mike Mustakas, the Reds are going to win the World Series. Of course not. But I would like to live in a world where Theo and Tom and Jed and the Cubs front office see comments like that about the Reds thinking that the NL Central is ripe for the picking. And it bothers them. It should bother them. The Reds shouldn't think that they can win your division, guys. Like you got a 200 plus million dollar payroll, best fans in the world, you're the Chicago Cubs, all right? The Reds should not think that they can beat you in your division. You should be doing what you need to do to not make that a thing. So that's what I want them to do. Whatever that no, I mean, whatever that means. It. Right? Yeah. But I mean it's yeah. a shame that we're even talking about this. Yes. The Cincinnati Reds. The, I mean, what the <laughs> I mean, come on. The the off season is young. The Cubs have a lot of decisions to make. And you know, again, look, like they they made albeit late, they made the right one today. So We'll proceed from there. We we know where the 40-man stands. We know who uh, has been tendered, non-tendered, and we will see what happens. Uh, we are rapidly heading towards the winter meetings uh, taking place in San Diego this year. So that is obviously a time where we kind of expect things to get going. We've heard that uh, the Cubs and Javi Baez's team will meet around those dates. Uh, the The winter meetings are on December 8th to the 12th in San Diego. So uh, we are, you know, by the time we talk to you next, they will already kind of have gotten going. Uh, so whether when exactly the the Cubs and Javi's team will will talk, I'm not sure, but hopefully we get some movement in that regard, and hopefully as everybody uh, uh, you know converges onto San Diego, the Cubs start putting some things in motion here and giving us a clearer picture of of what that 2020 roster is going to look like. But with that, I think we will end it here. We we covered a lot in this one. Uh, and, you know, look, in, in the interest of full disclosure, it's it's not fun to discuss uh, some of these topics, uh, but they're important and they're what's going on with the Cubs. So, I, you know, like you guys, I wish we were talking about moves the Cubs were making uh, in terms of increasing the, this, this team's 
potential success in 2020. I wish we were talking about actual baseball, uh, but instead we're talking about tenders and non-tenders. So that's just sort of the process of the MLB offseason at this point. Uh, But like I said, winter meetings are coming up, so hopefully things heat up a little bit, uh, if not for the Cubs hot stove, but for the hot stove in general. Uh, And we will reconvene next week to see where everything is at. As we head into the winter meetings, that's obviously a time where things can go down rather quickly. Things can start to heat up. Uh, So we will jump on if anything happens. If there comes a time where it's, it's, you know, prior to spring training, where it's time to get back on that twice a week schedule, we will do that. Uh, that is all up to the Chicago Cubs and, and what they decide to do over these next few weeks, uh, decide to do or decide not to do. So either way, we'll keep you updated. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at CF Cubs Related. Brendan is at Cubs Related, at Cubs Related on Instagram. You can find both of our work at Real Cubs Insider is the Twitter handle, CubsInsider.com obviously is the website. And if you can take a moment to go to the Apple Podcasts app, the iTunes store, wherever you're getting your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review and a comment as to why you like the podcast, it does help us. It's important, uh, and we appreciate you taking the little bit of time to do that for us. Uh, it, it helps us get some more exposure, helps us find new listeners, etc. So we do appreciate you guys taking the time to do that. As always, we appreciate your listenership, and we will be back with you next week or possibly before, hopefully, if the Cubs maybe want to talk to Javi Baez or something like that. We'd love to get on and discuss the Cubs actually doing something. But either way, we will talk to you once the winter meetings have begun, and hopefully we get some more exciting stuff to talk about. But as always, thank you for listening, and we will end this podcast by saying, Go Cubs! Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetting boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your dentist to actually believe you? And you're flossing every day. Absolutely. Great. Um, And you're cutting down on your sweets? Of course. (laughs) Wonderful. Then I don't even need to look in there. Great. See you in six months. There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details.